Welcome to another episode of Wondering Wednesday, a podcast series in which Ray and Ordana Reish from Character Inc. answers questions that are given to us from parents, homeschoolers, and people who have English and language arts questions. This podcast episode is going to deal with a one-year-old. It just so happens that I have some news hot off the press because I have a one-year-old grandbaby now. He is 14 months old. And in the process of being a grandma, my daughter asks me a lot of questions about the 12 to 18 and 12 to 24 month period of time. And so I thought I would answer some of her questions on this podcast episode and uh, give it to you also and maybe that will help you. I will say that I will be referencing different things that are in our parenting seminar. You can go to our blog and find out more information about Raising Kids with Character, our parenting seminar, that has a lot of the information that you hear in some of these podcasts. Also, we have a speaking workshop page available at Character Inc. blog that has all of our topics that we speak at about at workshops, homeschooling conventions, and so forth. And some of these are also there. This is going to be a two-part podcast, What to Do with a Wonderful One-Year-Old, answering questions about how to begin training and uh, bringing up a one-year-old that 12 to 18-month, 18 to 24-month period of time, and knowing what is appropriate, both with discipline as well as with training Um, and just the general um, raising of a one-year-old child. Um, We worked really hard between the ages of one, but really more it was like 14 to 16 months and then up to age two uh, to avoid the terrible twos. And um, we found that that can be done with a lot of forethought during this toddler period. So hopefully you can access the handout, What to Do with the Wonderful One-Year-Old, Part 1. This first part is going to be um, some generalities about raising a one-year-old child, a 12, 14, 16, 18-month-old child. And then the next part, Part 2, will deal with more specifics, um, various goals that you might have during this time period. So hopefully you can access the handout that goes with this. And at the top of the handout, you will see Determine Your Parenting Paradigm. One of the very first things that we recommend in our parenting seminars and our homeschooling workshops having to do with character training is that you determine what your parenting paradigm is. That is, what do you think about parenting? What do you believe about parenting? What we believe has a direct impact on how we behave. What we believe about parenting will have a direct impact on what we do in our parenting. And so we have a whole list of parenting paradigms in in some of our workshops that we discuss um, that have us look at what do I believe about parenting in general. And if I believe this, this is what I would do. And if I believe this, this will be the result of that. And so you can check out some of that uh, information at our blog, Character Inc., or contact us about some of our workshops. But specifically, with a one-year-old, determining your parenting paradigm is definitely the first step. The three main things that I look at at this stage um, 
are, number one, what I do in training my children really does make a difference in their lives. If you believe that what you do in child training makes a huge difference in their lives, that is, on the other end, you can impact, not to raise perfect children, but you can impact their responsibility level, their honesty, their kindness, their generosity. If you believe that what you do in the child training years can have an impact on their lives, then you will behave, you will parent in such an intentional way that you, things will not just be like, oh, what, you know, let the chips fall where they may. In other words, you will actually say, you know what, I can do something today to make a difference in my child's life later on. So what you do in training your children really does make a difference in their lives is parenting paradigm number one when it comes to toddlers. If you don't believe this, then you won't really care about what you do necessarily. I mean, you'll want to have peace in your home and that type of thing, but you won't see, wow, I need to do this for this final outcome. Secondly, the parenting paradigm at this age is I am called to raise my children in a Christian home with character training efforts to help them learn to be like Christ. So in this endeavor, do we believe that we, this is a calling, that we are called to help shape our children into kind, responsible, diligent, honest people? Do we believe that we're actually called to that? Do we believe that a Christian home is a huge part of what we are to be doing as parents? And thirdly, I can enjoy the toddler years. If you don't believe that you can enjoy the toddler years, then you won't want to work as hard in trying to help your toddler learn self-control, contentment, kindness, um, those type of characters, the very first, as we call them in our parenting seminar, the foundational qualities, the four foundational qualities for toddlers and preschoolers that we teach, contentment, kindness, submission, and obedience. You won't if you believe that you can enjoy the toddler years, then you'll want to work even harder to make those character qualities a reality in your toddler's life because you believe you can actually make a difference right now in your toddler. Next, I want to move into parenting absolutes. When we talk about parenting absolutes in our parenting seminar, we are talking about those absolute minimum behaviors that your family is going to have in your home. Now, they're different for a toddler than they are for later on, at least, you know, as far as high chair table behavior and stuff like that. So right now you might say, well, you know, I don't really care so much about absolutes. I'm not really that picky about bedtime. I don't really mind if he sits in a high chair or doesn't. And that's fine. Those are your parenting absolutes. For us with older children and what you want to be looking for in the future is what are those Parenting absolutes later on, for us, it was things like lying, no lying, no disrespect, um, no, no um, striking or harming another person. Those were our absolutes. That is, these are the things that our family is going to be characterized by that we will not tolerate in any way, shape, or form, our parenting absolutes. Here are a few that you might look at for this age group. And again, maybe these are absolutes for you and maybe they're not. But when you determine whether they are or not, again, this will affect how you parent. Bedtime, rising time, and naps. Are these parenting absolutes at 12, 14, 16, 18 months? Is it, is it absolutely mandatory that children who are toddlers, and maybe if you have preschoolers, whatever, that they you put them in bed and they go to bed, that they 
stay in bed until the time designated by the parents, that they take naps. Are these absolutes or does that not really matter to you that much? The next one is high chair and table behavior. You know, are these parenting absolutes? Do you absolutely positively want a toddler sitting in a high chair during the entire meal? Or is that just not a big deal to you or maybe not worth a fight? Thirdly, car seat use. Hopefully, this has already been an established absolute um, since it is the law in most states. Um, but we like to use the car seat example all throughout our toddler and preschool training workshops because the car seat is a perfect example of how you can have the kind of behavior that you want. What I mean by that is that from the time your child was a baby, an infant, you brought the child home probably in a car seat. More than likely, most parents, even parents who can't get a child to sit in a high chair, who can't get a child to stay in a bed, who can't get a child to sit on his or her lap during church or a meeting or whatever, even a, a parent who can't get a child to stop throwing a toy or throwing a tantrum, even those parents somehow manage to get a child in a car seat. We use this as an example to show that whatever your absolutes are, you can probably make them happen. Now, some that take more work than others. We have seven children ages 16 through 32. Some of our parenting absolutes were realized immediately, especially after the first couple of kids. We always did, we just knew that our kids would go to bed, get up, take a nap, sit in the high chair, not throw things, you know, by, by 18, 24 months, whatever. We knew those things could happen. We had one child who was strong-willed. It took longer than that. But with the car seat, we are saying, you know what? If I want my child to do this, whatever that might be, I can make that happen because I made my child stay in a car seat. So the car seat absolute is usually one that is already in place, but can be an example, a benchmark, if you will, for you to see that you can actually have other parenting absolutes at this age. Not saying no. I'm sorry, I skipped one. Not striking. Um, we had parenting absolutes that our children were not allowed to hurt another person, not bite, pinch, scratch, pull hair, throw things at a person, throw a toy, hit a person with a toy, hit, kick, those type of behaviors. We just lumped those all into one called no striking. And this was our parenting absolute. It was our parenting absolute during the toddler years, and it continued to be our parenting absolute. Now, we have a 32-year-old son, and then we have three boys in a row, 22, 20, and 16. When I say no striking, I'm talking about getting mad and hitting somebody or harming the other person because we had wrestling galore. We had knock them down, drag them out, knee football games in the living room, lots and lots of striking, if you will, uh, in, in the form of play. And so um, I just say that to, to, so that you know, listeners don't think, wow, you had four boys and you, you know, they never hit. Oh, yeah. They played, they hit, they got on teams, they, you know, um, ganged up on each other and made big piles and, yeah, it, with dad right in the middle of it. But we had no striking as far as harming another person. Not saying no. This was a big one for us. Some people, you know, they just figure no is part of a toddler's vocabulary and a preschooler's vocabulary, and they're just like, you know what, I don't really want to work on that that hard. It's not an absolute with me. Not throwing tantrums. Um, not to say that our kids never threw tantrums, but this was an absolute that we worked on in the same 
way and with the same strength and effort as we did the car seat. Now again, these absolutes might not seem that crucial right now, but later on, your parenting absolutes determine the environment of your home and how seriously your children will take the Ten Commandments, the words of Christ, and more. If your home has a parenting absolute of no lying ever, no deceit, and that is something that you go for from the beginning with gusto, and that is, um, this is way out of this the realm of this particular one-year-old uh, podcast episode, but that will be something that you can actually have later on that will greatly influence, again, the environment of your home, how seriously your child takes the Ten Commandments, the words of Christ. Um, so your parenting absolutes at this age might be a little bit different than, or will be different than later on, but also your parenting absolutes at this age may be minimal. You may say, you know what? These things are not that big of a deal to me. I, you know, I can deal with kids sleeping in our bed all the time. I can deal with kids falling asleep on the floor and then me carrying them into the bed. I can deal with um, them getting up at five in the morning if they want. There's just aren't big deals to me. And that's fine. That's fine because those are the absolutes that you have to determine for your own family. I will say that for us, um, our parenting absolutes with toddlers and preschoolers became more and more important with the more children that we had. And the reason for that was that we didn't want the toddlers and preschoolers to dominate the home to the point where we didn't have time, didn't have efforts, we didn't have energy, we didn't have what it took to meet our older children's needs as well. And so, you know, our parenting absolutes became more acute, actually, as we had more children. All right, now with each goal, we're going to talk about some specific goals here that you might have for your one-year-old. Um, but with each goal, there are two important truths that you need to consider before you set any goals in child training with a one-year-old. The first one is that you must do your responsibilities in every area. We have a, a section in each of our parenting workshops where we tell, you know, this is what you want the final outcome to be as far as truth, deceit, whatever, honesty. Um, when we get into some of the character areas, this is what you want in the form of responsibility in your children, those type of things. And every one of those has a section following the introduction to that that says your responsibilities. Because the Bible says, do not provoke your children to wrath. And we believe that children are provoked to wrath. That is, they are made angry and, and upset and out of sorts for toddlers and preschoolers when we as parents do not fulfill our responsibilities. So the first important truth that you must remember with each goal in parenting one-year-olds is that you must do your responsibilities in every area. So uh, we should never expect a certain behavior out of a child when we have not laid the foundation for the child. We have not met our responsibilities. We have not made it as simple as possible for the child to meet that goal. Okay, now... An example, there are many, many examples, but an example for this might be um, in, in the bedtime. So, for example, suppose you want your 14-month-old to have a little ritual at night and then to be put in her crib and to have music put on and, uh, you know, crib toys, whatever your, whatever your routine and whatever you deem um, is important for bedtime. And you want that to happen um, every night at 8 o'clock. So your responsibilities in that 
include determining what the ritual will be, following through on the ritual all the time, um, not letting your child sleep in so late in the morning or after in the afternoon naps that she doesn't want that she's not ready for bed at eight o'clock because you did not fulfill your responsibilities in order to make her be able to obey. And this is really important because we want certain behaviors out of our children at all ages. All of us do. And if we do not fulfill our responsibilities to make those things happen, then we are just provoking the child to wrath. We are having unrealistic expectations because we're not fulfilling our part. Um, consistency, for example. Suppose we always want, you know, high chair. We always want the child in the high chair. But half the time we put the child on our lap and half the time we put him in the high chair. And when he doesn't want to stay in the high chair, we're upset because we haven't followed through on our responsibilities to make that happen. Um, th throwing tantrums. Suppose we uh, give in to the child oftentimes when a tantrum is thrown. So, you know, we have an 18-month-old who's screaming at the store. We don't want to leave. We don't want to leave our grocery cart. Or maybe we're, um, you know, at McDonald's with some moms and we don't want to leave. We want to stay because we're having a good time or we want to stay because we want to finish our groceries or whatever that may be. And so we give in to the child and we cause the child to see that tantrums produce the results that she wants or he wants. And so as a result of that, the next time the child throws a tantrum, we're like, that, I can't believe this. And we're like going to extreme measures to try to discipline the child and make the child not throw a tantrum. When we did not fulfill our responsibilities in the last tantrum. So the first thing, the first important truth with each goal that you make for your toddler has got to be that you must do your responsibilities in every area. Clean, dry, full, hydrated, happy, before bed. You know, whatever those responsibilities are that you fulfill those so that your child can be successful in what it is you're asking them to do. And the second one is to always consider reverse engineering. Here is my end goal. My end goal is a child who gets in bed at 8 p.m. and uh, regardless of what time he wakes up, he stays in there and plays with the toys that I have secretly put in there in the morning when I first get up until I come to get him. Not jumping out of the bed, whatever, you know, not, you know, screaming and throwing fits. What do you have to do to get to that point? So you look at your end goal and then you work backwards. We've used this with our children forever and ever and ever, um, although I haven't always called it this, but we have used this with our kids all the time. and We even use it today. Every single week in some format, we say the following. Okay, we're going to go to the dance in Northwest Fort Wayne at 8 o'clock. We need to go to Sam's and that will take one hour. So we're going to go backwards one hour at Sam's. We need 30 minutes of drive time. That takes us back from 8 to 7 and then 7 to 6.30. I need to go to my editor north of Sam's and drop off documents. It takes 30 minutes to get there. So now I've gone from 8 to 7, 7 to 6.30, 6.30 to 6. I'm going to talk to her for a few minutes. So I'm just going to allow 15 minutes. That's a quarter till 6. So if we are doing those two things using reverse engineering, we have to leave at a quarter till 6. We do it 
all the time with our kids. Our, our, we help our kids get everywhere with reverse engineering as far as time schedules. We also do the same thing, not just for driving, but for goals. Okay, at the end of this day, you want to do this, this, and this. Let's back up. Let's figure up how long this takes. Let's see what you will have to do, what time you'll have to start, how many breaks you can take, all of those things in order to make that happen. So when you are considering toddler training, always consider reverse engineering. Here is my end goal. What do I need to do working backwards in order to make this goal a reality? As I said, the next audio podcast episode, we will do a lot more, I guess that's kind of redundant to say audio podcast. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, the next time we'll talk specifically about goals. But looking at this handout, the first thing is to determine your parenting paradigm. The next thing is to determine your absolutes. These will definitely affect your goals, right? You're not going to have a goal of working on, you know, bedtime rituals and keeping your child in bed and all that kind of stuff if bedtime and being, and being in the crib doesn't matter to you. That won't be something that you'll work on. So your absolutes definitely come into play. Then the two important truths, always fulfill your responsibility and always consider reverse engineering. All right, so those three things actually more than three, but three primary things to, deter to remember before determining your one-year-old goals. Three things, your paradigms, your parenting absolutes, and your responsibilities. All right, I'm going to be going over uh, next, in the next podcast episode, I'm going to be going over at least um, eight to ten different goals to consider for the 12 to 24 month old child and how you can meet those goals using reverse engineering, um, using techniques that we have found with our seven children, fulfilling your responsibilities. And um, our goal is not to have a little robotic 18-month-old. Our goal is for the whole family to enjoy that 18-month-old, for everybody to have to anticipate that child's waking up because we have instilled a sense of contentment in him, to know that in the afternoon, mom's going to have time for me, because he's going to take a nap and she's going to give me some undivided attention. Maybe this is your preschooler thinking this. Or your older kids. At night, mom and dad put the toddlers and preschoolers to bed at 8 o'clock. And we have mom and dad from 8 to 10 or 8 to 9, whatever it is. The, the training of a toddler, the training of any of our children, is not for selfish gain. It is for their contentment. It is for their godliness. It is for our family's well-being. It is for the enjoyment of the toddler. We had so many goals and so many absolutes, actually, um, by the time our third or fourth child came around, and our kids were the absolute happiest one-year-old and two-year-olds you could ever ask for. And so, you know, it's not like these things cause the child to be unhappy. You know, our kids were always happy as toddlers and preschoolers because they always knew what was expected. And that is a lot of these, these goals, is that we're just really... Letting the child know these are the expectations in our home. Let's have a happy home. Let's have a peaceful home. So um, those three things we have to remember. The paradigms, what you believe about parenting at this stage, what are your absolutes, and what are your responsibilities to make it happen. All right. As I said, I'm going to talk about a lot of the goals next week, but I want to leave you with a few general one-year-old training tips because these will really cover all of your goals, regardless of whether your goal has to do with beds, naps, cribs, high chairs, um, sitting on laps, lying still during diaper changing, whatever your goals might be, these uh, general tips come into play. 
The first one is tell, don't ask. Now this runs counter to what you hear a lot of times today, you know, respect your child, ask your child, you know, to put his cup in the sink or ask your child to pick up the toys. Um, but we have a firm belief that if you ask your child to do something, you are giving that child the option to do it or to not do it. If you want to be the ask your child kind of parent, that is certainly up to you and that there's, I, it might work in some instances. But you have to remember that if you ask your child to do something, then you must not punish for the child not doing it goes back to your responsibilities. Your responsibilities to your child are, if you listen to our other podcasts or uh, gone to our seminars, to explain your expectations. We call these expectation explanations. That is your responsibility. Your responsibility is to make direct commands that are understandable. Your responsibility is to be sure the child understands those commands. If you want to be an ask the child parent, then you can't be a demand the child do it parent. So if you don't want to tell your child what to do, but you want to ask your child, then you have to be okay with whatever the child chooses because you've given the child options. We actually found this out 25 years ago when our third child was uh, between one and two and our mentors were at our house and we asked for their feedback. And the mom said, you know, you ask Cammie what to do things all the time rather than tell her. You say, would you please sit down in the high chair for mommy? Can you please not throw that? Can you go pick this up? Can you can you do that? Can you put on your coat? Whatever. And you're the parent. Just tell her if that's what you want. And so we adopted that way of parenting. But not just for immediate um, obedience, but also because if we ask the child, our expectations are out the window. And so, if you are going to be the kind of parent that asks your child, don't ever discipline your child for not doing what you've asked because you gave him a choice. So, our first general one-year-old training tip is to tell, don't ask. The second one is kind of catchy. I hope that you will get this into your mind and that whenever you do this, you'll think this little chant. And that is, don't say no unless you'll go. Learn to say no to your one-year-old only when it is needed, and only when you are willing to get up and do something about it if your no is not heeded. We say, no, don't do that. No, stop. No, come on. And then we just go ahead and let the child do whatever we've told the child not to do. So when you say no the next time, think in the back of your mind, don't say no unless you'll go. Don't say no unless you'll go. Don't say no unless you'll go. Because if you are not willing to go and intercept the child from whatever no you've commanded, then don't say no. Because then you're just training the child to, to disregard your instruction all the time. No, don't touch that. Hey, no, no, come over here. No, come on, leave that alone and come back over here. And he doesn't leave it alone and he doesn't come back to you. And you don't do anything about it. You just say, well, all right, I'll just go ahead and let him do it, whatever it is. He's in the pots and pans cupboard. Just let him. It's not that big of a deal. If it's not that big of a deal, don't say no. Don't say no unless you mean it. 
and unless you'll go do something about it if it's not heated. This will do a few things to you. This will cause you to really think about what you're saying no. You know, you don't have to say no about everything. And some things at this stage are definitely going to be incremental. You know, like I told my daughter, start out with the dangerous things. Absolutely no to pulling on the lamp, pulling the light, light switch, or you know, the, the electrical cord, um, opening drawers in the kitchen that have knives or whatever. Absolute no's to those things. Those are the things that I recommend that you start with if you're going to say no, definitely. But don't say no unless you'll go. Thirdly, do the high five comprehension test before demanding anything of your toddler. If Before you demand that your toddler come, obey, or stop, do what we call the high five comprehension test. And that is teach your child to give you five. Most toddlers by 14 to 16 months can do this. Some even before this, but um, we always like to make sure our child understood our instructions before we ever started disciplining or, or punishing for uh, a bad behavior. So, um, give mommy high five, give me five, give me five, down low, give me five. And if your child comes over and gives you five, that means that your child has the comprehension that is needed to stop when you say stop, to come when you say come, and to understand no. So if your child doesn't have this, and, and some people like to really start child training at, at eight months and 10 months, and, and I've read a lot about that, and I've heard a lot of speakers, you know, that, you know, I'm going to swat his behind at eight months if he's, you know, going towards the fireplace. Why don't you just guard the fireplace until you know that comprehension is in place? Don't ever take any risks with your child. Don't ever have unrealistic expectations. Don't expect something that your child is not able to do. So the high five comprehension test is one that should be met before you start demanding your child do the things that you're calling out to him or her. And the last one is to start watching the firmness in your voice. Differentiating between truly important behaviors and preferences in character training. We um, teach about the difference between Foolishness, which is like disrespect or the four D's, disrespect, um, defiance, uh, <laughs> demolish, that's not the right word, and deceit, the four D's. Those are um, behaviors that are from the heart, disrespect to parents, disobedience, deceit. Those are things that are, that are learned and cultivated in the heart, whereas character training behaviors, um, you know, Cleaning up the toys nicely uh, at this age, just little things like putting the toys in the toy basket neatly, that type of stuff. Definitely when the child's older, remembering to always take out the trash or uh, loading the dishwasher a certain way. Those things are character issues. And so uh, you don't have to worry that much about it this now because most of the things are direct commands. So, you know, you say no and you, you know, of course, you're not going to say no unless you'll go um, and unless your child comprehends and you're going to tell and all those things. But um, it is something to consider as your child gets closer to two years old that you don't make everything equally important, that everything isn't just huge. All right. You know, standing beside you at McDonald's, not running off, that's important. Standing with her hands down to her side, not so much. Not touching the Hamburglar on the display. You know, everybody touches the Hamburglar. She's two. Let her touch the Hamburglar. 
you know, unless it says children get off, you know, don't climb or whatever, then you'll teach her, you know, to obey the laws of the land or whatever you might call that. Um, but start watching the firmness in your voice. The things that are really, really crucial are the things that should be immediate. They should be firm. Um, those are the important behaviors. And don't make such a big deal out of the things that are not. So next week, I'm going to talk about some goals that are listed here um, on the handout that I hope you have in front of you. And, and how to reverse engineer. How to say, this is my goal for my 14-month-old by the time he's 18 months or whatever. And how can I get there? Um, and just some tips that we found through the years, some things that work and do not work, how to fulfill your responsibilities all the time in these things so that you're not causing your child to be frustrated um, and also causing your child not to learn or not to be able to obey. So these are some goals that you can look forward to next week. Um, if you want to email or uh, um Facebook us or message us. Um, I can certainly touch on some others, but these are the main ones um, that we will try to cover next week. Going to bed uh, at bedtime and naps, staying in a crib, high chair for meals, as well as high chair behaviors, expectations um, of the child. We had one who was a thrower, threw everything down until about 16 or 17 months. Um, so a lot of a lot of different expectations with high chair behavior, eating a variety of healthy foods and eating well at meals. There are a lot of things that you can do to cause that to happen that are your responsibilities. Not getting into dangerous things, lying still during diaper changing, staying in the car seat, coming when called, sitting still for short periods of time on mom or dad's lap, in the stroller, whatever your end goal might be. And just contentment in regular things. Just, I can tell you that there's a great joy in having a two-year-old who's just happy. Just happy. Just knows where he is in this world. Is comfortable in the home environment. Knows what to expect. Has, has so much love and attention. And so much time with older siblings and mom and dad. So much attention so much positive attention, so many learning opportunities, so much fun, um, and just just pretty content with just the way things roll. And um, I do want to tell you that that can happen, and I hope you'll join us next week for the continuation of what to do with a wonderful one-year-old. Go to our blog and subscribe to our blog so you'll get these in your inbox. Um, go to the Facebook page and like. Uh, you can also go to iTunes and follow the, the podcast there as well. So thank you for joining me. This is Donna Reish with What to Do with a Wonderful One-Year-Old, Wondering Wednesday, Question and Answer, Part 1.